Greetings and welcome back to another an ongoing series of Shur and Afyomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now on Nasechet Shabbat of Kuf Chaf Amur Aleph. About to take a look at the third Mishnah of this, the 16th parak, uh, continuing with uh, how much food one is allowed to save on Shabbat from a fire. Matzilin Sal Malei Karot. You can save a basket filled with loaves of bread. Even though it has a hundred meals in it, it's way more than three meals worth. The gulshel dvela, a single big fig wheel, v'chavitzolyan, or a barrel of wine. V'yomer l'acherim bo'u v'hatzilu lachem, and you could tell other people to come and rescue for themselves. V'im hayu pikchin, if those guys are smart, osini mochesh bonachar shabbat. Then they make some sort of an accounting after Shabbat with uh, what they would bill him for saving his food. We'll talk about those details in the Gemara. Lechan matzilinotan. Now, where can we bring the food to? Lechatzer ha'muravet. To a chatzer that already has an eruv in it. Ben betera omer afle she'enamu revet. And ben betera, as we saw in the previous halacha, with saving a sefer Torah, is more lenient and allows us, in this case, to save it to a chatzer which has no eruv. Which means, of course, it is a reshut ha'achid, but a commonly owned reshut ha'achid. And the rabbinic demand of making an eruv to be allowed to carry there is waived in this case. Also, you bring anything that you need to use there uh, into that area, whichever area. You put on all the clothes you can. And you wrap yourself in whatever clothes you can. Rabbi Yossi disagrees and says, There's only 18 clothes. And as he talks about a normal wardrobe for their day, he says that's what you could put on. But we agree that you can go outside and then take it out. You can tell other people to also rescue clothes, and there the language used is a little different, not lachem, but imi, save with me, rescue with me. Okay, the Mishnah first said you could only save three meals worth, and here it says you could save everything. So it depends. If you're just rescuing stuff out, you can take as much as you want. But if you're folding it up, in other words, you're wrapping it up in something and gathering it, then it's only three meals. Both cases, both rulings, are in cases where you're gathering them. When you're bringing it back into the same chatzer, which is yours, then you can bring as much as you want. Putting it to another chatzer, because your chatzer is uh, in danger of being inflamed, then you are limited. So he asked the following question. Let's say you opened up your talit, and you started put, bringing things in and putting them into the talit in order to wrap it up and carry the whole thing out. Is that like saving? Is that like a gathering? So, the answer is me, the Amar Rava, Ate Rav Shizvi, the Rav Chista. Rava made a comment that his father-in-law was fooled by Rav Shizvi. We'll see what that means. Vidarash, Uvanchal Evi Klishu Marzik Yotem Mishalot Sudot. That his father-in-law, Rav Chista, publicly taught that you cannot bring a Kli that's bigger than three meals worth. Shvamina Kabbalat Sildami. So that tells you that once you bring a Kli, you could fill the Kli as much as you want, and if you could put as much as you want into this Talit. And just that Rav Shizvi had somehow misled Rav Chista to thinking that you're not allowed to bring a big Kli. So I'm Nachmar Yitzchak Larava. So he asked Rava, "My Tauta, what was the mistake?" Because the Brita 
that we have been operating with, talks about a barrel of wine that's broken, and says you can't bring another Kli to collect it, or another Kli and put it up against the side of the roof. So Kli Acherulo, it's just another Kli, but one Kli, come out of buy Matzal, you could use as much as you want. So there is no limitation how big of a Kli to bring, but either way, it solved our Talit problem. Okay, we see the Igul Shel the fig wheel. So Cheshbon we said at the end of that that the people who help save him, save the food, can make a Cheshbon. So what kind of Cheshbon do they have to make? After all, they can keep the food. There was a food that was Hefker. So they get to keep the food, and they don't have to make a Cheshbon for what they owe the guy. So He said, you got it wrong. We're talking about guys who saved it, and then at the end of Shabbat, of course, they want to give it back to the owner. They're good guys. And then, uh, but they do want to get paid. So Amarava, Hasideh, Agra, Shabda, Shakli. If these guys are Hasidim, why are they taking the schar from working on Shabbat? We're talking about guys who are Yerei Shabbat. They're not Hasidim, but they're uh, from guys. They don't want to get food from other people, so they're good guys. They want to give the food back. But they also don't want to have done, uh, don't want to have done all that work for free. And since they know that technically they can pay, get paid for that. If they're smart, that's not called schar shabbat because he didn't hire them. He just said, uh, "Please help me uh, rescue food." Now they rescue the food, it's their food, but they don't want to keep it, so they want to give it back, and they want to give it back for far less than the food is worth, but at least get paid for their efforts. So they make an accounting after Shabbat. Now, where do we uh, save the food to? Um, so uh, we had the, the but we also had the line, he says, that's with the food. So, why with the clothing does he say imi? So, Amri in the Yenveit Midrash, they gave the answer, when it comes to food, he said, save for yourselves. Because all that he's really fit to eat now is three meals worth. So, really, they're saving for themselves. The fact that they might be good guys and give it back to him afterwards is not the issue. But as far as clothes go, because he could wear any of these clothes, and really they are helping him. They're not taking for themselves. We have a bright that says you can go outside, put your clothes on, go outside, take them off, go back inside, put on more clothes, take them out. You could do that all day. You just can't carry the clothes out, but you could wear them out. Be very mayor. You can only wear 18 kelim. What are they? Maktoren, which is like an outer coat. Unkli, which is some sort of a shoulder strap. Punda, which is a big outer belt. Kalbu Shopishtan, which is some sort of a shirt. Haluk, which is the tunic, goes against your skin. Mapiliot, Maport, which are also worn on the chest. Shnei Pakurin, which are two little belts. Shnei Minalim, two shoes. Shnei Pilot, two socks. Shnei Pargad, two overboots. Chagur Motnav, the regular big belt you wear. Your hat, and a turban that you wear around your neck. Okay, next Mishnah. Let's say you have a box or a chest that got, when it got on fire. You could put a goat skin, you could stretch it over it, because the fire will only singe the goat skin, and it'll end up putting out the fire. So you're allowed to cause the fire to be put out. You could put any sort of vessels up as a fire break. 
Whether the kalim have anything in them or whether they don't, meaning it could have liquid in it, when the kli breaks, the water will pour out and put out the fire. To stop the fire from going. Rabbi Yossi says you may not use brand new pots that are filled with water. Since they're brand new, they can't take the fire and they're going to break. And they're inevitably going to break and then put out the fire with the water that's in them. Right, so Rabbi Yossi disagrees with the position of Chachamim here about what we call gram kibui, causing the uh, the um, extinguishing. So Rab said, if you have a garment that's on fire on one side, you can put water on the other side. And if it goes out, it goes out. Meitave, watch this challenge. You could put it on, put on the garment. And if by putting it on, kind of like wrapping yourself in it, the fire goes out, fine. Same thing with the Sefer Torah. If it goes on fire, poshto, you could open it up for Korebo, read from it. In other words, you could do normal behavior, and if that causes it to goes out, go out, it goes out. But, uh, but not water. The answer is that our, that Rav's ruling was, Udamak seemed to allow water. only allowed a goat skin because it gets singed. Gram Miyamar. But he didn't uh, explicitly allow you to put something that's going to lead to water putting out the fire. The answer is in. Yes, he does. disagreed and said you cannot use because they will cause the fire to go out. clearly holds that you're allowed to put water there that's going to go. You just can't put the water directly on the fire. Let's say you have a lamp that's sitting on a, on a little tray. Let's say you want the lamp to be extinguished. You could shake the tavla and it falls off. And if it goes out, which it certainly will, it will. That's only true if you forgot it on the, ta- on the tray. If you deliberately put it on the tray, you can't move the tray because the tray itself is a basista davar hasur because the candle was lit when Shabbat started. Tana, ner shacharia delet, if you have a candle behind the door, potach menorah kadarkor, you could open the door, close it as usual. Kavta, kavta, and if it goes out, it goes out. Wayatala rav, rav heard this ruling and he cursed it, because you're causing it to go out. So generations later, Ravina asked, why did rav curse that ruling? If it's because he holds like Rabbi Yehuda, then Malach Hashem Sricha Legufa Chayav Aleham. The Tanak Tana, like Rabbi Shimon, and the Tana was using Rabbi Shimon as a basis. Mishum the Rav Savar like Rabbi Yehuda, called Tana and Rabbi Shimon made it lightly because he holds like Rabbi Yehuda. He curses every teaching that follows Rabbi Shimon. That's a bit extreme. Amrale, his answer was either Rav Asher or Avina. His answer was Beha Afilu Rabbi Shimon Modeh. If you open and close the door, inevitably the fl- the flame is going to go out. So it's a secret You're allowed to open a door in front of a bonfire. Abaye cursed that ruling. What's the story? If it's a regular wind outside, it's not going to blow out the bonfire. Why would Abaye curse it? 
There's a big wind outside. So my Why would Rav Yehuda permit it? So Leolam Baruch We're talking about a normal wind. Marsava Gazrina and Rabaye says, but where goes there that you can't open the door directly in front of the bonfire, fully wide, because of Zera that there may be a bad wind. And Marsava Gazrina, Rav Yehuda says, there's a normal wind. It's not going to put it out. Okay, the Mishnah then said, Osin Mechitza, you can put Kelim up as a fire break. So, Lamemer de Rabban Savri, Gram Kibui Muta, Rabbi Yossi Savar, Gram Kibui Asur. It seems from our Mishnah that the base, the main position is Gram Kibui. Doing something to cause Kibui is Mutar. And Rabbi says it's not. We have a bright that seems to say the opposite. Danya, Osin Mechitza, Mechilim Rekanin. You can use empty vessels, right? And you can use full vessels, meaning with liquid. If they're the kinds that don't break. What's that? Metalware. seems to add to that list pottery from these particular two towns that are pretty strong. So it sounds like Rabiosi is more lenient. So perhaps you want to switch our the positions in our Mishnah. Rabiosi, the bright of the Kamar, maybe Rabbanan are the uh, severe ones. And Rabbi Yossi in the Brighta is simply speaking to Rabbanon on their terms, saying, if you insist on kelim that don't break, I could tell you about another two that don't break. Me, I, I'll allow any kelim. But me, but you cannot switch the positions in the Mishnah. Rabbi Yossi is the one who holds it. So you certainly cannot switch the positions in the Mishnah. Don't switch. That Brighta is all Rabbi Yossi. The bright author by Rabbi is you can make uh, any empty vessels as a, a fire break. You can use them. Full, one, full ones that don't break. Which don't break. And also, the pots from those two towns. They're also on the list. This is not a second opinion. Why should Rabbi Yossi testify that Kelim from those two towns don't break? Okay. And now that we have these positions where Rabbi Yossi says that uh, doing something that will inadvertently cause uh, a violation is a violation, Rabbanan say it's not, we find opposite positions. So there's contradictions to both. The Tanya. We have the following Brighta. Let's say you had Shem Hashem written on your skin. Not tattooed, written. You can't bathe. You can't anoint. You can't stand in a dirty place. Let's say you have to go to the mikvah. You're a Zav and finished your period. You put a reed over the Shem. And go to the mikvah. You go in without covering it at all. If you don't directly rub it off. So as Rabbi Yossi is comfortable with allowing it to be caused to be erased by going in the water and Rabbi aren't. So the answer is Shani Hatam. The rules are different. Mechikat Shem Hashem is not the same as Chilul Shabbat. How do we know you're not allowed to erase Shem Hashem? Because the Torah says you have to destroy the names of the Avodah Zarah and then Asun came You cannot do the same to God. But it's only lo ta'asun. It's an active uh, erasure. Gromashari, if you do something that causes to be erased, it's okay. So the same thing with Shabbat. Lo ta'asai komalacha. 
Same word, you shall not do any malacha. It's only doing the action that's asur. So the answer is, you're right. Technically, it's okay. But in cases of Shabbat, we're always concerned when it comes to a fire that a person is so concerned about his, his possessions that if we allow him everything, he's going to put out the fire. So Yossi has to put up a break on that. So So therefore, the Rabbanan have a problem, which is, when it comes to Shabbat and we have that concern, they still allow you to put up the water in the vessel. And here, shouldn't they allow you to go into the mikvah with your hand exposed? And Ratispara, let's think about it. What's this reed doing? Anyways, if it's tightly on your hand, it's a chatzitza, and your tefillah didn't accomplish anything. If it's loose, then water is going to get in there anyways and erase the name. So you haven't accomplished anything. The answer is, wait a second, time out. You got another chatzitza problem, which is the ink itself. The answer is, if it's wet, Tanya, we have a bright adama vdyod vash blood and ink and honey vachalav or milk that are yiveshin if they're dry chotzitzin if they've dried onto the skin then it's a chotzitza lachim if they're wet in chotzitzin good so it's wet ink and therefore it's not a problem mikoma kolkasha we still have a problem with the reed what's the point of the reed what's the reason you're not allowed to be in front of shem hashem naked so therefore, since it's written on your skin, therefore you have to put a cover, like with Sniut Ba'alma. It's certainly not going to be so tight to not lock the water in. And they're not bothered by the name being erased inadvertently. But Rabbi Yossi therefore holds you're allowed to stand like that. And the answer is you put your hand over it. So let the Rabbanan do that. Why do you need to read? The answer is, You might forget and take your hand away. Rabbi Yossi now is in the Mishnah Mishakulei. Rabbi Yossi should have the same concern. Ella idiika gemi achinami. You're right. Actually, if if you ever read, everybody will agree you should put the read there. Better than using your hand, you might forget and take it down. And it's not because of keeping the name from being erased, which is our original consideration, but it's simply uh, as a tzniut for Shem Hashem. So achmayaskin al duei gemi. The case here is where there is no read. Question is, should you spend time finding one? Rabbanan Savri, Tfila Bizman Allah Mitzvah. The Rabbanan famously hold that there is no mitzvah to be Tovel Bizman, and therefore you could wait another day to go and find the read in the meantime. Umadrinan. Rabbi Yossi very famously holds Tfila Bizman Mitzvah. You have to go to the mikvah at the right time. Vilomahadrinan. And therefore, we don't waste time looking for the gemi because there's a mitzvah to go to the mikvah now. Does he really hold that way? Any of these people who became Tamei and their time was on Yom Kippur, it's Tfilatan Bayom. Their their day to go is during the day, so they go during the day. Those are the only two, of course, that go during the night. So Balkari Somebody's a Balkari, he can go to the mikveh any time during the day. But Rabbi Yossi Omer, if it's late in the afternoon, he shouldn't go to the mikvah. But if Rabbi Yossi holds Tfilabi's Mitzvah, he should go during the day. The answer is, I hear Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda, he, that's not Rabbi Yossi, that's Rabbi Yossi Rabbi Yehuda, who holds Dayat Tfilah Ba'achrona, in the very famous case in Nida, where a woman uh, leaves town pregnant and comes back without, and there's all sorts of multiple, many Sfekot, 
uh, as to when the baby was born. Was it a boy? Was it a girl? Was she a let it bezove? And therefore, the whole calculation of how many tefillot she has to go through, Rabbi Yosef Yehuda says, let her wait and just go one time at the very end. So therefore, he says, since this Balkari can wait till nighttime, I'll go to nighttime and, uh, and go to the mikveh then and not violate Yom Kippur. Okay, the next Mishnah Let's say a goy comes and wants to put out the fire. We don't tell him to do it. We also don't tell him not to do it. We're not obligated to make sure he rests on Shabbat. But if a kid comes, a Jewish kid comes who wants to put out the fire, we don't let him. Because we're obligated to make sure he rests on Shabbat. Okay, I'm Rabbi Ami. When it comes to a fire, there was one leniency. You could come out and say, anybody who puts out the fire will not lose, kind of hinting there might be a reward to it. So, perhaps that's supported by our Mishnah. You don't tell him to put it, to uh, put it out. We don't tell him, put it out. But we can hint to him, but what do we say at the end? We don't tell him, don't put it out. So obviously we don't say anything to him, including anybody who wants to put it out will uh, not lose. Our Mishnah won't support it either way. So in his courtyard, a, a flame, a fire burst out. The fireman of Tzipori came to put it out. He was somehow connected to the king, or he was his, the king's fin- finance minister. He was an important guy, so they came to put it out. And he wouldn't let them put out the fire because of Kvot Shabbat. And a miracle happened, and the rain came and put out the fire. At night, after Shabbat, he sent each one of the firemen to Selah. And their boss, he sent Chamishim, a big gift. He didn't have to do that. He could have let them put it out as per the law of the Mishnah without saying anything. At the end of the Mishnah says you can't let a kid put it out. That's a very testy issue that we deal with throughout Shas about whether Beitin is obligated to keep a kid from violating the law. If you see a kid who's, uh, let's say, an orphan, who's eating the velot, is Beitin obligated to stop him? So it sounds from our Mishnah like you, they are. We're talking about a kid who's acting on behalf of his father. But the parallel case of the Goy, if a Goy is doing it on behalf of the Israel, since what is that mutar? We'll see in the next podcast. But it's not. The answer is, The Goy here is acting on his own behalf. The kid is a kid, so he's acting on his father's behalf, and that's why we do not allow him. Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll pick it up with the next podcast, and the final podcast in this the 16th parak. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.